Welcome to the Fabricators Coach Podcast, where we believe that every fabricator deserves to have a business that not only makes the money, but also gives them time to enjoy it. Hey folks, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Fabricators Coach Podcast. This episode's a little different. We actually ended up with a really great discussion among some of the attendees for the webinar, and all of this happened before the webinar started. So uh, we thought we'd go ahead and include it because it's got some really good info, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. That's we'll give it, give it another couple of minutes to see who else shows up. This is this is August before you know school starts up and then all that kind of yeah. stuff. So typically a little bit slower month. Thank hey, Ed, what are you seeing in the industry now? Your clients and things are people. They seem a little bit. Is it slow? Fast, busy, quiet. What's what's the what's the vibe out there right now? Short answer is yes. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm, it's really it's it's uh, driven by geography. Some areas are still hot, like Central Texas is smoking, and New England and the West Coast are are typically a little bit slower. Um, and then other spots that are hot, and so you know, Florida and Texas are going to be hot because of just the the population migration patterns. Sure. And the southeast is hot. You know, your fastest growing states are Florida, Texas, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia right now. Um, in fact, South Carolina, where I am, we've got 250, give or take, people a day moving into our state. Yeah, wow. Um, and we're one of the smallest states by population, so it's a big percentage. Um, then there are certain market segments that are hot. Um, you know, as, as the economy slows down, commercial work, because of its long lead time and the planning that's required and all that, they tend to lag the economic cycles. So clients I talk to, companies I talk to that are doing primarily commercial work are still busier than heck. Um, and then variable I run into is there are um, like Central Texas, if you're if you're a fabricator of Central Texas, you ought to be smoking. Well, it's really unusual. Every once in a while, I'll talk to a fabricator of Central Texas that's struggling. Yeah. And as I talk to them and understand what's going on better, it's it's uh it's more of a management challenge. So right. I've got, you know, some some clients or, or companies I talk to that are struggling and it's more of a management thing because there's plenty of opportunity around them. Um and there are others where okay, it's it's geography and you really gotta dig a lot deeper and and find a way to take market share because their market is truly shrinking. Yeah, we've seen we're not on a coast or in a developing uh, population growth area we're we're seeing what's really interesting is the dynamic of the um what companies have done the past couple of years with their <clears throat> with their windfall a little bit from covid and whatnot how they've used it and what's happening with them right now so we're starting to see <laughs> we're starting to see some separation happening with uh even though you know i i wouldn't say that everybody's slammed we're 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 still busy busy but not to a peak i mean we're maybe a notch below that but it's interesting to see what's happening with the companies because I think you're starting to see some segregation between the companies that managed the past couple of years wisely and some of them that didn't. And we're starting to see that affect their, their revenues and, and such, you know? Yeah. So, and with your background, you've been in other industries. So, you know, that's not unique to this industry. Right. When you've got, when you've got really good times and you're flush with cash, if you don't prepare well, when the pressure comes, you know, you're going to, you're going to suffer. Yeah. Um, right. You know, smart, smart companies, smart managers who've who've uh, 
you know, banked cash and they're watching their expenses and they've put together a plan for the downturn like you guys have. Uh, and they've got a strategy and they're executing that strategy. They're going to do well during the downturn. Uh, I've got a client right now that is in an area where he should not be growing much, but he's actually doing about 30, 35% a year. He's getting ready to buy a new building that will triple his space because he needs the, he needs the space for the volume that's coming. He's got a strong game plan and he's going to go out there and take market share like a son of a gun over the next two years. And when the market comes roaring back, he's going to be in a catbird seat. Yeah, right. So, so Dan, yeah. what are some measures that you you think that you've taken over the last couple of years that have benefited y'all? Yeah, so I, um, and Ned knows this because we have lots of calls, but um, okay. I, I don't come from this industry um, at all. So I, I don't know it um, at all. And I don't claim to either. You'll hear you'll hear that a couple of times today. But For sure. um, so one of the things that we did when we came on board is we started, <clears throat> I came on board two years ago, my dad and I owned the business and, and we okay. started really uh, making efficient our expenses. And so as we were, we're going through, we've grown about 10% a year over the past two years. We will again this year. We didn't just cut expenses. We started looking at how we were spending the money that we were spending and make sure that we were spending it efficiently. And then also we found, um, we really spent some time understanding our people and seeing what they're willing, willing and able to offer the business, whether what they were giving us from a performance perspective was their best or if it wasn't. And so through all of that, I think we were able to um, not just ask them to do more. We didn't do that, but we, I, I think we invested in them differently. And I think our culture is really, really good where these guys are running faster than they've ever run before. Um, and they don't even know it. Um, and we've done, there's a whole, I mean, we could talk for hours about that, but that's what I know from my past experience, getting people to offer more and be happy about it. And we've, we've done that while managing our expenses really well. Um, and, um, and preparing for this. And we also didn't go hog wild on buying planes and trains and automobiles either. You know what I mean? We're very efficient at what we were doing, uh, because, uh, right now we're starting to, Actually, we're starting to invest into our business. We just bought a big piece of machinery, and then we're, we are start, starting a pretty aggressive marketing campaign today, uh, the first of September. That um, we're gonna we're gonna prey on some of the uh, uh, unfortunate to them, good for us, some of the inefficiencies of our competitors because uh, mm -hmm. I know that they're not doing it now. So we always took the stance that we'd, we'd zig when they zagged. And so that's what we're doing right now. So we're about to go pretty aggressive on um, things that we hadn't done before because we, we stacked cash for the past two years in preparation mm -hmm. for some headwinds. And, um, and so we're ready to pull the triggers on all these things now because I know nobody else is um, doing that. So I guess the, that's a long answer to the question of we we just we found our sweet spot of um, my analogy. I used to tell my teams before is, you know, driving down the highway, you can drive down the highway at 80 miles an hour and your RPMs could be up five, six thousand. Or you can drive down the highway at 80 miles an hour and your RPMs could be at two thousand. You know, so we yeah. figured out how to drive fast and exert little energy. Okay, and okay. that's created a different ceiling for us while we're managing costs and putting different metrics in what we're looking at. Um not just on expensive, but also we we spend a ton of time on our costs of goods and we've got it down below 30 percent, which yeah. we're in Dayton, Ohio, man. We're not. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where you are, but um, yeah, North Carolina. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're not growing like you are. So 30% for us on the revenue that we could get for the product that we provide to me is it's not going to compare to the coast, I'm guessing, but it's pretty damn good. I mean, I feel really good about it. We were in the mid to high thirties two years ago. So yeah. all that shit, all that went to our bottom line. Um, and, and so we're just, uh, the guys are doing a hell of a lot better job with that. So we've, we spent a couple years doing all that <clears throat> on all those low hanging fruit dollars that we were just kind of thrusting away unknowingly or unintentionally. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and our profit, our profits jumped significantly. You know, we're, we're north of 20% consistently now um, where we weren't playing in that scope before. Um, and what size business in terms of annual revenue are you? So these guys kind of have a feel for size of company. Yeah, we're doing about five projects a day. Um, we've got one, we've got one to two install teams. So we're doing, we're doing 200 to 225 square feet a day. Oh, wow. Yeah. So not very, we're not very big, you know. So um, that's a good size. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's relative. Depends on who you talk to. Yeah, we're not, we're not two guys in a truck concept, you know, but we're right. not the $10 million business either. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So we did all that. We, we've done a lot. Ed's helped us with, uh, uh, we got, you know, we've got different growth strategies and plans that we're trying to create. And so we, we've done a lot of positioning for that. So we feel, yeah. um, you know, we feel to, we feel like we're ready to be opportunistic uh, when the right situation presents itself to oh, us, cool. too. And are you just granite and quartz on the countertop side? Or we're granite and quartz. Yeah, we don't we don't do any kind of um, um, uh, Corian or uh, laminate. We don't do any of that. No. You do any um, any porcelain or center center materials? We have not done any porcelain. No, we've done it. I shouldn't say that. We've done it, but we don't pursue it. Um, Yeah. So we, we've, we have stayed away from it. We have our market. I don't know who else is on this, but our market has not forced us into it. Um, And so we let all y'all on the coast figure it out and have all the heartburn and all that. Mm -hmm. And then, then we sit back here and watch you guys and decide if we want to do it or not. So we have not gotten into it yet. There's a market for it certainly. um, But I'm a big believer in do what you do best and the hell with the rest. Um, And and our company is really good when we're in the box. If we could step outside, man, we just struggle, uh, which I think most do. You know, I don't think we're unique to that. But um, so we have not sought that out, even though I know we could we could find dollars all over the place with it. I know we could, but I don't. Well, I think that's a great point, too, Dan, is, you know, you, you know what you're good at. You're playing to your strengths. And. You're not trying to be all things to all customers. Uh, I run into so many companies that, in fact, I know of one right now that's in Central Texas that's struggling, that, that's a much bigger company. And they're trying to do everything for everybody. And yeah. try to mix in a quarter million dollar stone job with a you know $10,000 you know, low-end contractor job, it's just tough to run that kind of work through the same plant and be really good at it. Yeah, we um we 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 model all of our projects. So I I've got an idea of how we do on every one before we do it. Um, so I I can be we can be pretty particular and we can be aggressive in places that we need to. You know, we get people. We can be selective on how we want to grow our business right now. We're not big enough to have to. I know some companies that I'm sure you deal with them all the time. They have you know, 
they have to drive top line constantly um, or else they're going to die. Uh, we're not in that place. We can be, we're in a really sweet spot right now where we can be very selective on what we, how we grow and we can grow profitably. Um, and we're not big enough to have to, we don't, we don't starve for growth dollars yet, you know, and mm-hmm. you get to a certain point where you got so many loans and all that kind of stuff where you got to drive top line as in the hell with the bottom line. We're not there. We're not doing that. So We've been very strategic on how we've been lucky, to say the least, but we've been strategic on how we're growing our business so that we're just not growing to grow. We're growing strategically and um, managing all that. So we, we in essence, re reestablished our benchmark on a lot of things like cost of goods, expense dollars, um, how much it costs for us to produce a square foot, like how much it costs us to install. Like I track all that stuff and 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 know it. Um uh, pretty well. So I know if we're doing good or we're not doing good. Um, and I can forecast pretty good. So I know I'm talking a lot on here and I don't know all the answers, man, but, um, but we've started, my dad knows the industry. I know business in general, we mix them together. Um, and we track and I come from a company where we tracked trackers, you know, it was crazy. So I know that I've got that. And we do that here now for a size company that we are, <laughs> we we do it to the nth degree. Um, mm-hmm. But we're doing it because I want to establish all that stuff before we get to a place where we have to do it. I want it to be ingrained into our culture of doing all that now because it's easy when you're smaller. And then if we get larger, hopefully, then all that becomes second nature to our team and what we do and gauging success and all that kind of stuff. No, that's true. Now you said y'all are doing four projects a day, so I guess you're residential. What's your mix between residential and commercial? We we don't do any commercial work. Okay. No, we don't do any commercial work. Are you selling direct, or do you go through cabinet shops and big box, all that kind of stuff? Or we're a third, a third, a third. We don't do any big box store. We're a third a walk-in business, a third mm-hmm. um, contractor business, a third builder business. Okay, good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So right now, uh, I think it's fair to say without revealing too much about us, I, w- I would imagine most other than maybe coast resident or either we call it retail, the walk-in business, that's what's probably um, lacking the most. So we um, we don't have as much walk-in as we did a year ago, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, our builder business and contractor business is very strong. Um, so, so we're going to invest into developing that funnel of our business right now um that's what the marketing concept that we're doing so so yeah so we're 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 busier than we've ever been but our retail business our walk-in stuff our showroom is is a little bit quieter than it was a year ago or even six months ago so we're going to spend some money to see if we can stir that up a little bit okay well good yeah so one of the things i like to do when we start these things off and 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 I really, this conversation is phenomenal. I really appreciate, Dan, you willing to open up and talk about some of the things you're doing because I think they're great examples of the kinds of things I try to encourage owners to do. And that's working on your business rather than in it. And I run across a lot of shops the same size as Dan's shop that struggle with that concept. And Dan's just given us a handful of examples of doing just exactly that. So I think it's 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 a great conversation, and and we'll include that in the in the uh, podcast version of this as well. Um, is I think he's a great example of 
folks who come from other industries who come into this industry, the different perspective they bring and how that can be so valuable a lot of times. Because you listen to what you know Dan talked about at the first part of the session, all the, the things that they've been doing while times were good to get ready for an eventual downturn because they always show up sooner or later. Um, that's the kind of thing we don't hear a lot talked about in this industry. So, yeah, we, we started planning for headwinds I don't know, maybe I'm a little pessimistic sometimes, but April of last year, we really started forecasting, all right, what's going to happen? What's our cash flow look like? What's our, um, what's our break even point on revenues? What's, what do we need to make investments on? Like, what do we, all that stuff. Um, we probably did it a little early, but we started putting marketing. I mean, I'm a little anal. So we started doing all that stuff way back, way back when. Um, and so when it comes, it's almost kind of like, let's roll, let's go, hurry up and get here so we can navigate this thing. And um, our, 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 my goal in, in doing this, when we started doing this a year and a half ago, was when the when the headwinds start, you know, I don't want to be the company that says, can we, can we last through this? I don't want that. I want, I want to be the company that's like, all right, how are we going to double our size through all this turmoil? So that's what we positioned ourselves. And there's a guy out of Chicago that I got to know a little bit. He runs a big company. Um, you guys probably, I'm sure you know him. Jeff, you know him well. Yeah. Yeah. So he 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 told me, he goes, um, I, I came across him somehow. And and he said, Dan, he goes, in 08, 09, we doubled our business. We took off. And I'm like, oh, my God, what, like how? And so that made it real to me that you could do something like that um, through headwinds. So it's almost like. Not that I ask for them. I'm not that stupid, but um, if we get them, I'm, I, I'm fine. Let's go. You know, it'll just separate. We're starting to see a little separation in our, our market here now with the best companies that will not, not just survive. I'm not looking to survive. I'm looking to thrive through, you know, troubled times. And so, um, so I'm hoping that it's interesting to hear what people are doing. And, and we don't have the, we don't have the luxury of, 250 people a day coming into um, Dayton, Ohio. God bless Dayton, but <laughs> I still don't know granite. I don't know how to polish. Uh, I've installed, but um, just because I'm tried to, I tried to gain some relativeness with my team. Like he's willing to do it. All right, I got to work hard. But the CNC machine, no idea. Um, the edge line, yeah, all that's I don't know any of that stuff, and I probably will never uh, intentionally. <laughs> It's not because I don't want to. I don't mind that, but um, I don't know. I don't. I don't think that's going to serve us well. I'm better off in other places, you know. So I'm always amazed when people struggle with that. I get it, but I also worry about them because, man, if you can't, Ed, Ed says working on the business instead of in it. Um, I know some people can't pull themselves out. I mean, my dad's like that. He he struggles pulling himself out of it. Um, but I know that if I do that, I'm going to be stuck and. <laughs> we're not going to do what we want to do. So, yeah. And the, and the kind of things that, that you're doing, Dan, you know, the, the article for last month, webinar last month was what's the one thing when you're going to hire a key manager. And the one thing is for them to have the kind of management uh, foresight, kind of management capability and the kind of understanding of business that, that Dan's talked about. Um, I get clients from time to time that'll, that'll retain me to go hire an ops manager, a shop manager, a general manager, that kind of thing. And I will always start my search outside the industry, looking yeah. primarily for management skills, for leadership capability, 
business understanding and they know what a good well-run business looks like and know how to get a business from point A to point B, they can learn whatever they need to know about the stone industry. None of us, none of us were born knowing that. So that's, that's, you know, Dan's a great example of, of why I take that approach with, with clients and why I recommend that you know, if you want to hire a key manager, go start looking outside the industry because there's so few inside this industry that think through the things that I talk about and the things that Dan's been talking about. So, um, said, you want to tell us, um, you know, uh, who you are, uh, what company you work with, your position, and where you guys are located? Uh, great. Yeah, we're in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Yeah. Um, we're a family business. We've been open, we've been in the glass business since the late 80s, stone business since the mid 90s. Um, through the last year or two years, transitioning into whatever the next phase of the business is going to be. Uh, last year, we bought a little bit of equipment and instituted that. And so did some upgrades into the shop, bought a CNC router and a water system, um, upgraded the air, did a few facilities maintenance things. We, on the stone side, we're a custom fabricator, do mainly residential. Um, we're 13 people total between the two divisions, between glass and stone. So there's a little bit of overlap. So we're smaller, you would say. All right. So said you do um you do like glass surrounds and showers and right. yeah. custom frameless shower doors and mirrors, residential, yeah. Okay. All right. And then you do uh obviously custom countertops as well. Right. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting dynamic. Like how'd you guys <laughs> uh you know, actually they're kind of similar. We were in the glass business before. If you think about and there's one other company in our state that did this progression too. Most people come from the tile or something else into the countertop, but right from the glass side, of, you know, you're working for the same customers, uh, the same duration in the project. Um, so you're working in kitchen and baths, and that's how we got into the stone. We initially got into the stone just to supply uh, thresholds, fireplace sets. That's where we started. And then when granite countertops came in in the 90s, we tried that. Yeah, I really like the conversation that that started off with with said asking Dan questions and 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 getting into that because I think that's a really good example of what I like to do in in these sessions because it uh, it gives us a chance for us all to learn from each other. I don't have all the answers to everything, and I think it's great that you all bring different perspectives and can share what you know with each other because I think that's a real big key to. Uh, to us helping improve companies. That's that's what we're all here for is to, to be better. Um, the article we're going to touch on just for a few minutes today is um, the, the one that came out first of this month, and that's uh, to do your, to have a great business, you need to do your own push-ups. As usual, you can find that on our website, and you can also find that at sleepyrockgazette.net. Um, and as usual, this is set for about 60 minutes, so we'll formally stop at the top of the hour I'll hang out for another, you know, 15, 20 minutes after that. If anybody's got any additional questions or additional discussion, we, we'll get into to whatever is, is on your mind. Um, as Dan said, I push a lot of work in uh, on your business instead of in it, which is really key. Um, what triggered this particular article was there was a Facebook post uh, a few months ago. And it was a guy, a small business owner in a different industry, just, talking about the frustration he's got with his business and trying to run his business. Uh, he talks about this. I've got, I've got kind of a clip of part of it. 
you know, the constant emails, text messages, phone calls. Um, you want your business to grow. You want to succeed, but you can't do it all. How do you navigate all the challenges? And toward the end, he talks about, you know, you want your business to grow so badly, but you can't fathom how to make it happen. Uh, he, in his case, he felt like he makes the business owner life look so good with kind of a fake front that his employees thought he was doing great. So they decided they wanted the same thing. So they quit and go into competition with, him. you know, the typical challenges of, of running a small business. Um, and that's what really triggered this article was, okay, you know, as, as people were commenting on the article, they commiserate and, you know, pat him on the back or, you know, soothe his, his ruffle feathers, whatever. But a lot of folks started talking about, well, you need to go look at this business system. You need to go look at that business system. Just, just get into this and, and that'll get you where you need to go. And what I knew was that that was only part of the solution. The other part of the solution is, you, as the title of the article says, you got to do your own push-ups. As Dan was talking about earlier, you, you've got to go do the work, no matter what system you pick. Uh, you know, Dan's got his background, his metrics, his way of looking at business. And and whether you agree with every all the metrics that he would use or not, what's tough to argue with is he's taking it and he's executing. He's doing the work. And that's what I think was missing in a lot of those Facebook posts was the only reason a system is going to work well with folks is well for folks is that you actually do the work. Um, this the challenges that the that the author in the on the Facebook post was talking about. I think probably all of us to some degree can can relate to that, right? That that feeling of like Tom Hanks and Castaway being alone on an island running a business. In Dan's case, you know, you've got family involved, so it's not quite so bad. Uh, Sid, um, you, are you pretty much in that that mode of kind of being the castaway on the island? To a degree, you know, my parents are still involved in the business, but it does feel like everything, you're at the center and all the questions are coming at you and yeah. you have all the answers. You are, you are, I don't know if you're old enough to remember this, but the old shell Antraman back in the 60s. No, <laughs> <laughs> well, may not have anybody old enough to remember those commercials. That's back when when uh, gasoline companies, uh, fuel oil companies, used to compete and advertise against each other a lot. And um, the Shell Antrim man was what Shell oil company used a lot. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, you're kind of the person on point the whole time, Victor. You're the you're pretty much the general manager for that business. Um, you've got an owner that you report to, but you probably are like said a bit in that. You feel like you're in that in that uh, solo uh, mode, kind of kind of by yourself in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, I would say um, definitely. Um, uh, it feels that way sometimes, and um, and um, own like even when you, I think when you're the owner, you might have you know one set of problems. Let's say when you have to manage. Uh, some things you might have a, a little different set of uh, problems and challenges, but essentially like that feeling, uh, you know, when you either overwhelmed or, you know, you kind of feel like you don't have people to like rely on or, um, you know, to support that is definitely like that, that feeling can be, you know, uh, on both sides. And, um, yeah, like I think that, um, it's very important to uh, 
have the right people, but also like do that work um, to keep it, um, you know, to keep it organized. Yep. And Drew, you've got a partner, right? Do I remember that correctly? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Um, I got a business partner who's been in the industry since he was 13, you know, setting tile when he was a kid, basically. So he's, you know, we share a lot of the same burdens, but he's the one who takes on the technical, like, you know, if there's issues with the material on the job, things of that nature. He's, he's the pro there. I, I'm more the, in the office kind of running that side of the ship. So. So you probably don't feel quite as much like the, like the castaway of the movie all, all by yourself then. No, it's not so bad. I'm not sure how people do it because you know I got enough to maintain you know the business side and whether it's employee issues or you know anything going on in the cash flow, whatever's going on. Meanwhile, he's out there handling the you know the architects, the builders, the high end designers we work with. He's handling all that. I'm not sure how one person does all that. Um, I really, really don't think you can do it successfully to the the best to do both sides. It's really tough I don't, i'm not sure how they do that yeah that's uh and that's kind of where i want to get to is is you know a lot of folks really struggle with that whole concept of of how do i pull myself out of the 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 hourly the minute to minute hour to hour firefight and actually start working on the business and start making some of the changes and do some of the things that dan was talking about earlier um, and, and I kind of gave Dan a little bit of a heads up, you know, before the session started that because of his unique background, having worked for a larger organization where that was expected, walking into a, a business in this industry, a, a pretty typical size business in this industry, um, where maybe not, I, I don't know, you know, your, your family as well, Dan, how well expected it was or not, but how do you see the the, or do you have any suggestions on how an owner can address that challenge of moving from being consumed by the business every hour of every day to starting to carve out some time to start working on the business and improve systems so that level of chaos goes down and the control goes up? You got any thoughts on that? Um. Yeah, I, I, I and I preface this by saying for the. 20th time, I, I do not know all the answers by any stretch. So certainly uh, I appreciate the all the praise that Ed throws my way, but I, I don't pretend to have the answers, you guys. Here's here's what I do know. Um, when I was working at the company I was before, the higher up in the organization I got to, the less I did, okay? The less work I did. Um, the, the fewer hours I worked um, actually doing something. But the more time I spend investing and worrying about things and, and focusing on strategy and stuff like that. So and here's what I learned from that. And I think uh, I've noticed that maybe we deal with this, too. When you have an owner or somebody that's in charge of everything, typically they they try to uh, be everything to everybody all the time. And every time somebody has a question, they have to present the answer to it. Um, and and so I learned way back when. I can't do that. I don't want to be, I don't want the business to only go as I'm as good of an answer as that I uh, know. So what I, what I did, and I learned this back when I was probably three or four years into my career, I was leading a group of 30 people that um, had been working at the company longer than I'd been alive. And I'm like, okay, so what am I going to offer these guys? Nothing. I don't know. So I changed my strategy and from having to be the end all be all and everything and I really started focusing on uh, learning about the people that were on my team 
like what they were good at, what they weren't, started celebrating those things with them, starting to understand uh, how their head works, how their mind works, like what's going on with them. What do they, what, do, what, what in their job do they really thrive and, 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 and do really, really well? Who's got the capacity to take on additional responsibility? And so I spent, uh, when I was in that, when I was 26 doing that, I had 30 people. I'm like, all right, I got to learn these people and know what makes them tick. And in doing, even though I was the person in charge of all of them. And so what I then, once I learned that, um, and I don't know, maybe you guys take some of this away, but once I learned that some of the low hanging fruit stuff that they would come to me about, I would start delegating that off and I would delegate it to people that were really good at answering or solving those problems. And, and I, instead of getting involved in fixing all of this stuff, I pushed it off and I, I learned that the more cool power I had, whether you're owner of a business or in my case was leading a group of people, the more responsibility and power I had, um, the more I shed off on other people and learn how to delegate those things to people that really like solving whatever the problem that was and was really good at it. And so I would do that and then follow up with them and, and, and praise their performance once they took that responsibility off my plate. And what I learned was people people naturally want to do good, right? Not everybody, but most people want to do good. They want to be good at their job, that kind of thing. Uh, and they want more responsibility. They want to evolve, uh, all that kind of stuff. So my job was to find out what what they wanted to do to evolve and what they were good at and all that. And when I found it, I would fan and feed the hell out of it and I'd start delegating it to it. It's a perfect example of um, like here, what we did was we've got a guy, our programmer that is very detailed and very uh, analytical um, almost to being anal about it, like cr cr crazy obsessive compulsive about it. And so I'm like, all right, well, he, he, he didn't know to take responsibility on, on cost of goods. So I started, Right when I started, I just started telling him, hey, we did a good job and I would give him a percentage. He wouldn't even know what the percentage was. He just knew a lower percentage was better. And after two or three months of telling him just, hey, we did good or hey, we didn't and give him a percentage, he'd start asking me, how would we do before I could even tell him? And I'm like, all right, I got this guy. Right. I got him. And so then I started once he sought me out, I started delegating that to him. And now he's ultimately responsible for it. So we've caught that we've really improved on that. You know what I've done on it? Nothing. Right? I haven't done anything but give it to that. Find out that he's a great guy to be able to do it. He's really good. His mind works that way. And then delegated all of that stuff to him. And he saw it and in, in, was that. So now I'm just a cheerleader for him when he does good or a bearer of bad news when we don't. Um, instead of trying to fix that problem, I let him handle all of that. So that's one thing off everybody's plate. And our performance has increased dramatically. And I don't do anything for it. Right? <laughs> he does it all. Um, but he loves it because I tell him every time when he does a good job, I single him out and tell him appreciate it and all those kind of leadership things. So I don't know, Ed, if that's what you're asking. And like I said, well, that's, um, that's part of it. I mean, you you didn't have to get out. Uh, you didn't have to put a big have a big speech in front of a team of people. You didn't have to, you know, set a direction and, and say, OK, this is our, our focus for the month. And you didn't have to get the bullwhip and the cattle prod out to get people going. You decided to use the carrot instead of the stick and and figure out who's really good at it and play to those strengths, right? Yeah, I don't we don't the yeah, the stick stuff and the bullhorn and all that. I mean, I don't know. I'm 43. It doesn't work for me. I, it doesn't work for most <laughs> of our guys. You know what yeah, I mean, I 
everybody's built a little bit differently. Some guys it does, but yeah, I mean, you, you just, you empower people to make their decisions. And I know that's a hell of a lot easier to say than to do. I, I get all that guys. I, I, I understand that, but I think people are giving me more effort, energy and enthusiasm in their jobs right now um, than maybe they did before because they feel like not everybody thinks this, but I think most of the guys feel like they have a say in it. And, um, and we started delegating tasks off. One guy used to do all of this and we've cut his workload down a half because we just give it to everybody. That's really can make an impact on it. And, and people gradually start bringing up ideas like, Hey, let's do this or Hey, let's do that. And then we just take and run with it and go with it. And, uh, it makes everybody's life easier. So that, that I learned previously that I can't be everything to everybody all the time. Cause I don't know all the answers, you know? Um, so I'm like, but as a group we do. And so I, I focus my energy on figuring out who knows who's the best at fill in the blank, whatever that is. And then fan and feed the hell out of that. Um, and then I, I realized that back in my CentOS days that that actually freed me up for, um, uh, they, they would handle all of the stuff on their own and they were just bringing the big, big problems, the hard problems to me. And that freed me up a lot to, to let everybody kind of work better together. So, so the question originally was, all right, so how does a our super busy over sometimes overwhelmed business owner find time to work on the business and improve the business? And your answer was to figure out what folks are really good at and help them help them take on the authority to make key business key decisions in the business within their realm of of expertise and give them the authority to do that and then also there's and and then that's that's part of the delegation formula um where you're taking questions and responsibility off the owner's shoulders and giving certain parts of that to the right people at the right time to let them handle that and Dan, as you do delegation, it's not just the handoff. There's some other parts of delegation that are important to make that work, right? Yeah, the inspection part, right? You got to go check and see how they did with it. And if they don't do well, like I'm a positive person, if they don't do well, you can't sugarcoat that. You got to hit them, you know, and whatever they're going to hear you. But you got to you got to check and inspect, inspect what you expect. I guess is the cliche that you hear a lot, but inspect what you expect. So. But then you're just spending the time checking with your team on how they did, not figuring the solution out, performing the solution, following up on the solution. You're not doing all that. You're just doing one small part of the whole. Um, but also praising, too. Like, I'll, I'll find out somebody did something well, and I'll throw my dad. I was like, Dad, you got to go tell this guy he did a really good job. Um, my dad doesn't come from that environment. So when he says it, um, it means more than even when I say it. You know what I mean? So, uh so it, it, it takes a lot of the tension off, but yeah, understanding your people, knowing what you got, you know, I think anybody that's leading a group and no matter what you're doing, knowing what your people are good at, and what they're not and, and being okay. If everybody is not everything to everybody, you know, my, my dad will get frustrated if not everybody's an A plus plus. And, and it's like, well, you're not going to, it's hard to find a team full of A plus plus people. You know, most companies don't have that, but if you know what they're good at, you can direct work to them that they or decisions that um, are going to be that they can answer or perform really well and do really good at it, maybe even better than you could, you know, and you don't have to invest all that time and energy and effort in trying to figure it out. So I don't know. Um, again, we're not perfect, but I learned that at CentOS. I'm trying to bring that here because uh, I think people respond to that in the end really well. Now, there's some stuff you can't do that with. I get all that. Um, but some of the, the low hanging 
fruit stuff. Yeah. Hell yeah. You know, when somebody asks me a question, um, the way I respond to it is ask them a question back and it drives them nuts, but it, it forces them into, into figuring out, Hey, let's put together a solution before I just go ask so-and-so because they'll take care of it for me. Uh-uh, no way, man. Figure out your own, bring some options and let's talk about them. Yeah. And in most cases, uh, every time I ask a manager to stop and think about, you know, how many times they get asked, people ask them questions during the day and how, what percentage of those times do people already know the answer? They're just asking for permission or they're not confident. They're asking for validation or, or whatever. Uh, it's rare that people are asking the question. They don't already know the answer. And if they, if they don't know the answer, that's a training opportunity. Uh, but Ken Blanchard wrote a, a book called One Minute Manager. And a technique that I stole from him is, is the, I don't know, what do you think? Somebody comes to you and asks you, say, well, is this okay? Will this work? Should I do it this way? Look at them and say, I don't know. What do you think? And then shut your mouth and listen. And you'll, you know, once once you keep doing that consistently, people will eventually, if they already know the answer, and they know that you know that they know the answer, then at some point they'll they'll quit coming to you because you've you know you're both validated. Okay, you know what you're doing. Let's not waste time with this. Go make it happen. You know. And I think Dan's exactly right on the delegation. A lot of folks will will delegate something and then won't do the follow up after the fact. You know, go do the audit on the process. Go do the follow up. Hey. You know, you're, you're taking this over. How's it working? Um, and and then give the feedback, good or bad. And so those are those are really big keys. Um, what I find out with with owners is when they'll start doing some of these things, it's uh, it frees up some of their time and allows them to think about how to do more of this. And you get a compounding effect where your time starts to free up a lot. And Dan, have you kind of seen that in in your experience? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, um, <clears throat> you know, if uh, again, past experience tells me that if a manager is doing a good job, they're not real busy during the day, you know, and that might sound crazy. Um, but because you've got the people that you're working with that are are handling all they're only focusing on the big, heavy lifting stuff. So, you know, that doesn't apply to everything. But um, I think whenever you're leading a team, like if if, if somebody would would say uh and ed you probably tell people this all the time like how do i get out of working in it to working on it well the first thing you got to do is is really understand um leadership and how to lead and how to motivate and influence not just how to know how to answer problems or run the saw i mean those things are certainly important but you know you got to know how to lead and delegate and trust and all that kind of stuff and that's really hard that's not easy at all and i think people get in situations you know, especially small business owners. I mean, we're there. Our business deals with this that you don't it's hard to trust somebody that you've built all this blood, sweat and tears on. And you're going to trust somebody that you might not know that well or, you know, whatever your opinion of that person to be able to handle some of this stuff. I think small business owners naturally just get into that. I'll do it because I know I'll do it really well. And that's a scary place to be. I mean, and and they probably spend more time focusing on the the transactional parts of the business which i get but you know that that leadership side too is really difficult and it's really and i'm not perfect at it but uh it's really difficult really hard to do and learn and be good at um as you evolve because that's going to allow you to be able to even do the things like i'm talking about or ed you talk about or you guys deal with all the time you know that's the investment part to me and the, the management leadership are, are kind of like muscles. The more you exercise them, the better you get at it. 
yeah. and you've got to start somewhere. The delegation and, and playing to your strengths, knowing your people's strengths is a great place to start. Dan talks about, I've got a, a client that probably one of my most successful clients right now in terms of the changes he's made in his business over the last year or two. And what he started doing to free up his time, because he was, as Dan talks about, in that transactional aspect of the business, involved in the technical aspect, working in the business all the time. Um, and the way he started freeing up time, he just came into work an hour earlier every day. He was kind of an early bird anyway. And so he'd come in and work a, an hour earlier when nobody was around to, to work on specific initiatives and figure out how he could do some of the stuff that we've been talking about. And what he's found when he started doing that, I guess about a year ago, religiously doing that. Now we're having conversations about, he said, he's going, I'm, I'm kind of lost. What am I supposed to do? I don't have any fires to fight. Everybody else is handling things. What's my next step? Now what's my role? And so that's, that's a fun conversation to have because he's not in that totally overwhelmed, you know, fighting fires, having to, to do everything himself because he can do it better than anybody else can. He's now delegated it enough and 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 worked on his business and improved it enough. He's now he able to get to that kind of as Dan talks about that higher level of management where you're working on strategy, you're looking ahead. This guy's putting together his plan to go from five million to twenty million over the next. I think he's looking at six or eight years as the game plan, uh, and he's got a very solid way he's going to do that. And he 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 couldn't do that a year ago. Uh, because he didn't, he just didn't have the time to stop and think on it, you know, stop and think about it. So I think those are, those are real big keys. Um, said you were, you were asking Dan a lot of questions about his business early on. Is any of this conversation, things we're talking about, is this helpful to you? Oh, yes, yes, <clears throat> absolutely. Yeah, and to see what kind of, if, if it's a similar business that Dan has, it does seem similar. Uh, he's a little bit larger than we are, but same business. Uh, and then see what kind of measures that he was implementing. Well, the first question was, you know, planning for a downturn and then how to, I guess, delegate and what kind of systems put in place so that other people can help out with the day-to-day -day issues. And so right now I feel overworked and doing too many things. And yeah. Mistakes do come from that, trying, trying to be everything. Exactly. Uh, as as uh, I think Drew was making a comment earlier, I don't understand how one person can do it all, and it's it's yeah. tough to do it all, isn't it? It is. It's, it's yeah. tricky. We have, we have some we have good people. We have good people here, but a lot of it it's, it feels like a lot just comes back and the decision maker on a lot of things. Yeah. For operations, sales, all kinds of things, along oh, with okay. the day duties. Yeah, hopefully what we've hopefully we've shared a few things, maybe a few techniques that can help out a little bit along the way. You know, a lot of folks will go in and they'll look at um, you know the business management systems like Theory of Constraints, Emyth, um, the EOS system from the book Traction, that sort of thing, and they'll ask me, you know, which one of those is best for for my business? And the answer is always whichever one you'll execute on. You know, I think having those those systems is good. They've got a good structure because uh, they've got specific metrics. They've got uh, EOS has got a really well-rounded, uh, pretty thorough meeting management routine. And they, they've got some specific tools for going in and look at the, the strengths of your people like Dan was talking about. Uh, and, and these other systems have got good tools and structure as well. 
But the key is, you know, which ones are you willing to, which one are you willing to, do you feel the best about? Do you, does it resonate with you? And which one are you willing to put the time and effort into? Uh, I had a guy I talked to um, just a few days ago, was wanting to, to do some of these things in his business. He was, he's in an area that's really hot and he's struggling to, to make money, even though he's in a great geographical area. And so we talked about a potential game plan. He said, how long does it take to get results? And my answer was, how much time are you willing to invest in it? How badly do you want it? How well can your management team execute? So regardless of what system you pick, regardless of what coach you pick, you still got to do the push-ups. You know, you got to do your own work. Um, but I think we've got hopefully giving you some pretty good ideas on some ways to find time to do that. You know, recognizing people, um, coming in a little bit early sometimes. Um, it, you know, at the end of the day, it's your business and it's your life. And it's it's making that decision of okay are you okay doing now you know doing what you're doing now and doing it for the next five years 10 years whatever time you've got left or is it time to make a change and if it's time to make a change hopefully you've gotten a few ideas from this session on some ways you can start to make that change yourself because i know making that change is tough i've, I've owned my own brick and mortar business back in the 80s i had two locations uh, I was the guy running things, and um, it was two retail stores. We were open 12 hours a day, six days a week. Um, it's it's tough when you go in early and vacuum the floors and organize and restock, and then you stay late at night and 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 do extra work and go in on Sundays and do the books. You know, it's a, it's a tough way to live. Um, and then you sign a lease on your second location a few a few days prior to Black Monday, 1987. Uh, so it's uh, it, it can be a challenge, and it boils down to deciding, is this okay or does it need to be better? If it needs to be better, there's some good options out there. Uh, if you want to talk about those options, obviously give me a call. Happy to talk through those with you. Um, you can go to the website, hit the uh, get an assessment button, and we can schedule a time to talk. And and happy just to share ideas as we've done today. But uh, I want to appreciate really all of you pitching in, especially Dan sharing your ideas. I like, I like that perspective, obviously. And it's something I think that that really adds a lot of value to help folks see a different perspective in this business. Um, I appreciate all of you all jumping in and spending some time. Hopefully it's been helpful for you. Our next article will be um, how to pass your competition with some key sales management practices. Uh, you know, Dan talks about not just surviving in tough times, but succeeding. This, this next webinar is going to be talking about how to do some of that from a sales perspective, how to beat your competition by improving how you manage your sales team. A lot of shops I get into don't even think about how they manage and the and the metrics and the, the management practices that they use with their sales folks. And so I want to kind of start a discussion around that and, and see if we get some folks to think a little bit differently. But folks, I appreciate your time. We'll uh, we'll wrap up the, the main session now. And as I said before, we'll we'll keep this session open, this this um, the meeting open for another 15, 20 minutes, anybody wants to kind of hang around and talk, but I know some of you have got uh, deadlines, other things you've got planned, and uh, thank you, and hope you guys uh, have a great rest of your week. All right, you as well. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. Ed. Thanks, Ed. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fabricators Coach Podcast. If you've got any additional questions about this particular episode or anything else, please check us out at fabricatorscoach.com. Thanks. Have a great day.